This is the Education Exchange. I am Paul Peterson, Senior Editor at Education Next. Thank you for joining us. Although Joe Biden was Barack Obama's vice president, Biden's Secretary of Education has not been as interested in school reform as Obama's Education Secretary, Arnie Duncan. Unlike the leadership in Washington today, Arnie Duncan backed charter schools, asked states to reorganize failing schools, and encouraged merit pay programs for teachers. Under Arnie Duncan, the Department of Education encouraged states to devise their own pilot program that would reward high-quality teachers with extra compensation. The program became known as the Teacher Advancement Program, or TAP. States were asked to evaluate their programs so policymakers could learn what works and what does not work. Their study is entitled Teacher Performance Pay, Coaching, and Long-Run Student Outcomes. The authors are Sarah Cahodes, Ozken Iren, and Orgel Oster. I'm pleased to have Orgel Oster with me on the Education Exchange. She is the Professor of Economics and the Department Chair at the Darlamore School of Business at the University of South Carolina. So, Professor Oster, thank you for joining me. Sure, my pleasure. Well, um, Professor Oster, uh, when did South Carolina begin this uh, pilot program, the, the Teacher Advancement Program, or TAP? Uh, in South Carolina, TAP started in 2007. The first cohort was 2007-2008 uh, year. And was this prompted by the uh, Obama administration? Was there a federal in incentive to develop such a program? Program is federal, yes, um, and it was funded federally, and the states uh, made some design um, decisions themselves. Yes, it was uh, during the Obama administration. So 2009, and so what years do you study the program? When, when are you collecting your information? We start with um, cohorts pre-program starting in 2002, 2003, and uh, go all the way to 2012-2013. Uh, cohorts. Um, so we are basically studying TAP from its inception. And at some point, we kind of make some um, methodological choices about the early adopters versus late adopters or early schools versus late schools in the program. So not all schools adopted. How many schools did participate in the TAP program? So overall, there were 90 plus 95 schools uh, in multiple um, grants. Um, so TAPs are, um, these are through TIF, uh, Teacher Incentive Fund, uh, as you uh, pointed out. And the first round, there were 30 schools. 30 schools in the first round. And is that the round that you really concentrate on? They, they, are they your test group? Um, we do concentrate on all, but specifically 30 in the first round and 16 in the second round is what we're going to use our core in all analysis. Yeah. Okay, so the 46 programs that are in the first two years of the program are, the, are your major test group, but then you have a comparison group, and your comparison group are schools that look a lot like uh, they would have been selected uh, had they been uh, interested in participating. Yeah, exactly. In most of our analysis, we used uh, schools that we selected using some matching techniques, uh, schools that look uh, in terms of many of their characteristics like our treatment schools. In some other specification, just as a robustness, we also uh, looked at the schools 
that were tap schools in the later years, later cohorts, and compared them in the years that we are studying the early cohorts. Um, yeah, so we'll get to them later. But first of all, tell me what your major findings are. Our listeners want to know all, what did you find? We find uh, very significant educational returns. What, now, you say education returns. Now, to me, return means coming back from the grocery store. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So what do you mean by education returns? <laughs> we found in, um, increases in the test scores for our students and also increases in um, their attendance and their participation, uh, drop in the dropout rates uh, as the educational outcomes we studied. Uh, we also find some other long-term results, which are, for me, the more interesting, more exciting part. We see a big reduction in crime, arrests for the uh, students that were affected. And also we see reduction in uh, reliance on social welfare programs. So you see a decline. I think the felony reduction is quite substantial. I, I know it's only 2.7 percentage points, but that's actually a pretty big decline. Yeah. Maybe maybe I'm wrong about that. 1.4 no, points, but it's a very big decline because not that many people commit a felony. So it's exactly, a, exactly. It's 30 percent um, relative to the um, mean. Not many people are arrested. So that small reduction actually is quite um, a substantial reduction in the overall uh, felony arrest rates. Right. And then I see you get higher graduation rates as well, I believe. Yeah, we do have higher graduation rates. We see our students enrolled in school. We don't see them all through, uh, but some of the stats we are reported show increased graduation rates and higher enrollment in later grades beyond you know required 16-year-old. Um, they stay in school. Well, I was uh, impressed by the fact that parents seemed to be more satisfied with their children's education or the school when the, when they were asked about because most people think well parents don't really know what's going on but if you find that actually parent satisfaction is connected to uh, the uh, in, uh, in the success of this program that that's sort of interesting yeah I mean they were the only ones that were happy uh, I mean I think program shows that it must be working and it was noticed um, we looked at the uh, satisfaction surveys uh, school environment learning environment satisfaction surveys. And yes, as you noticed, uh, parents were very satisfied with the learning environment. Teachers and students, we didn't see any uh, significant effects, but I can't well, see. That's sort of, that's sort of I, you know, I've done some research and, and often I, I can see that the students think anything good is happening and the parents are just wildly uh, enthusiastic <laughs> about something. So. I, I, I'd go with the parents myself. All right. We have hard data that sort of backs that up. And, and so now, how about the differences between ethnic groups? Were you able to look at that or was that not possible? Um, we couldn't uh, divvy up our um, results too much. We are um, getting into um, some data concerns, I mean, these power declines. But we do find that um, it is quite significant for, I mean, we try to do that by gender and by race. And as effects are driven mostly by the Blacks. Um, and um, again, power concerns sometimes results in not significant results. But um, we do have, definitely have uh, differences by racial composition. 
So it appears as if the biggest benefits are accruing to the African-American population. They're the ones who are experiencing the biggest gains in test scores and graduation rates. And the, Yeah, I mean, I cannot confidently crime. say so because of the power concerns, but uh, these are results we also looked into. I don't think we reported in the final paper, but uh, that seems to be the case. But these schools are also very high minority uh, schools. These are schools who are were struggling, um, and that tends to be more on the urban um, and more minority side of uh, South Carolina. So tell me a little, a little bit more about the program itself. So if a, if a school is participating in the program, as I understand it, both the teacher will benefit if the teacher performs at a high level and the school will get resources that can be distributed among all the teachers at the school, regardless of the teacher's own performance level. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Um, so a teacher's uh, performance pay, this is TAP basically is that, uh, not only depends on her or his performance, the value added, and this is something that can only be calculated, obviously, for tested um, subjects like math, social studies, uh, ELA, and science. But it also depends on the school's overall performance. So there's the group incentive as well as the uh, personal incentive. Um, and as a result, um, you can not only benefit from your own performance, but your colleagues' performance as well. So how much uh, does a teacher receive extra uh, if you if if the school does well and the teacher does well, what's the what's the maximum you could benefit if you if you if everything went right? Maximum is about ten thousand um, dollars a year. A year, and that is for the year say two thousand two two thousand three. We are talking about uh, and following years as well. It's about twenty percent of um, an average teacher's salary here. So you could get a salary boost of as much as 20%. So that's enough to get a person's notice, right? I would yep. like I, yep. I would like a salary boost next year. Of <laughs> Can you work on that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll work on it. I mean, my colleagues, I like that too. Um, but yeah. uh, always... see, well, as a chair, you should be able to deliver. I try my best, but you know how the deans are. <laughs> so... Um, so that's actually makes some sense to have both the school benefit and the teacher because it this reduces conflict among the teachers because if a teacher does really well well it's not like taking money away from anybody else it's actually helping everybody yeah, yeah exactly and also i mean you are uh, getting buy in from all the teachers who will not if it was only personal value added uh, how are you to measure an art teacher's or French teacher's value added? These are not tested subjects. And most of the time, you know, uh, we rely on test outcomes to um, kind of calculate these value added. There's no other real measure. So this buy-in that is coming from all school, uh, all teachers in a school, I think is quite important. It's a team effort in some ways, as well as but you rely on more than just test scores, right? You do have some evaluations of each teacher. How is that done? How are the evaluations done of each teacher? So in this program, there are different roles a teacher can, um, can assume. And one is the master teacher um, kind of status. And these master teachers um, observe teachers in uh, their classrooms up to 
four to six times a year. Uh, they provide feedback. There is some um, professional development also uh, through grade-alike, uh, subject-alike groups of teachers. So um, teachers receive a lot of feedback on their ways that they are teaching, ways they can improve. And I think this is a quite an important part of this program because it is kind of clear what and how they are going to be measured or how they are going to be evaluated. And this, um, their scores in these evaluations also contribute to their um, overall calculations of um, the bonus that they will receive. Are the master teachers actually teaching themselves or are they just observing other teachers? And uh, They do uh, both. They do both. They, uh, they do, uh, you mean teaching themselves, meaning they are in the classroom? They are in the classroom. They teach uh, these teachers how to teach and they observe and provide feedback. Um, they are kind of like the trainers on this, uh, in some ways, a training, professional training program. Now, does the principal select the master teachers? Yeah, they are more tenured, uh, more advanced um, in their years. Uh, teachers who are more senior teachers, more experienced teachers. Yeah, the more experienced teachers, and they must be also the teachers the principal thinks are the best. Highly well. Yeah. Now, do you see any effect on attrition of teachers from these schools? Do teachers stay longer in the test schools than in the control schools? or We do see kind of the opposite, and we've been trying to understand why it might be. Um, I mean, these are all, these are not at the individual level. Um, uh, but we have two report cards again, um, as certain uh, indicators about return behavior of teachers. And uh, we see some attrition, uh, some teachers leaving uh, schools and the rate of, or the share of teachers who are highly skilled, but this is just for capturing the master's degrees or uh, advanced degrees the teachers hold decreasing in tap schools. Now we try to understand why it must be. Um, if you want me to talk about that, I can. Oh yes, no, I want to know. Why are they leaving? Uh, I mean, again, new opportunities elsewhere? I think, I think that's part of the story. And maybe, um, I think that's definitely part of the story. Maybe teachers now, uh, they have uh, this way of showing um, maybe they are at the beginning of their career and they have a way of showing that they are good teachers, not only the years that of experience, but something as substantial as a $10,000. And maybe they are moving to better schools. Uh, we see a lot of uh, attrition in these kind of schools anyways, but this is happening even compared to schools that are similarly uh, poor performing. Um, but also maybe so this is one of the risks of having a pilot program and having it prove effective that the very people who are, you know, producing the success all of a sudden get opportunities <laughs> to go elsewhere. Yeah. Therefore, how can you sustain it over the long run? Yeah. I mean, it has been sustained, though. Uh, we certainly see some dosage effect in the right direction. Um, but of course, this may be only because of the exposure of the student in this kind of an environment. But also, I think there is a learning by doing and teachers maybe getting better. I mean, they are surely getting better. That's probably part of the story. Um, but um, it doesn't seem to be necessarily affecting the performance of the program in the long run. Well, you know, when you have a program as a federal program like this, 
Some schools decide they're willing to participate and other schools decide they're not uh, prepared to participate. And they may look like very similar schools and you did a very careful job of choosing similar schools based on what you could observe. But, but there's always this sort of question, is it, are they really similar? Uh, or, or the ones that participate maybe just have better leadership. So how did you, how do you deal with that issue? Um, so we try to do several things. That's definitely a concern uh, in any study that's studying a program like this, um, where the participation is targeted in some sense. Even though participation is targeted, the adoption or the timing is not necessarily um, uh, predetermined or people didn't necessarily know this was coming. And if there was the case, if that was the case, we should have seen some trends. We don't see any such trends. So that's one first thing we check. Oh, I see. Before the program is adopted, you look at the test score performances at these schools that were the comparison schools and the test, and you see really no difference. So no, we don't see a difference. There's no difference between these schools. So that yeah, our methodology relies on similar. this. I mean, if there yeah. were some differences, we wouldn't be able to say what we are saying. Um, so we just had to first rule that out, and we did. And second thing we tried to utilize, as you said, you know, the schools that are participating are very different than schools that never did. Uh, so we did, in some analysis, use the schools that eventually participated in the program like this, and uh, utilize the basically the staggered adoption structure that we have. Like I said, it's the 30 schools, and then we have 15, 24, and the last cohort is adding another 16 or so. So you look at the early adopters and compare them to the late adopters. Late adopters. They, they're all adopters. They all are willing to participate. It's just that some got off the ground a little more quickly than the others. Exactly. Exactly. So that should be a reasonably good comparison. And um, when I when we first started this project, I talked to the very first administrator of the program, Dr. Dotterer. He's a uh, used to be an education professor here in University of South Carolina. And uh, our conversations uh, led me to believe in all of these schools in the pool eventually got the grant. Were schools in consideration, but the grants are limited at the end and were distributed um, on need basis, obviously, but also uh, there wasn't significant differences in the early adopters and the late adopters in terms of uh, need or how uh, their performances were. So we thought that at least showing us uh, this basically the same results is a very good indicator that we shouldn't be necessarily concerned about selection into the program. By the well, school. that's interesting. Uh, and that does address uh, some of the concerns that I had. But then there's the other concern I have is that in Tennessee, a very similar program, or it seems to me from a distance to be a similar program, the TAP program in Tennessee was evaluated by a pretty good group of scholars at, I think it was at Vanderbilt, and they found that the program had no effect. Uh, so why do you think you got different results in South Carolina than they got in Tennessee? You know, it's, they're not the only ones. I, I mean, there are uh, other studies showing either no effect, and in some cases, actually, slight negative effects. I think it is something to do with the program itself and how it was structured. First of all, South Carolina had an accountability-based kind of evaluation system um, before the adoption of TAP. So every school was kind of, um, is not kind of, is being evaluated in, um, in a structure similar. Of course, nothing like TAP-like, but we have uh, all the foundations ready uh, to build something on 
uh, like this. But I think more importantly, um, we do have several components to this program that makes the buy-in, I think, real. And also, um, the, first of all, is substantial amount of uh, performance bonus they're receiving. Uh, is that bigger than another another uh, attempts to to do the TAP program? This twenty percent increase, you think that's a sort of maximum a... is? I mean, it, at the at the average, uh, it is two thousand dollars. So it's we are not talking about maybe that substantial uh, difference in terms of bonuses. But I think the more important part is about the structure of the program, the fact that there is an individual component and uh, um, group component to incentive structure, and probably. Even equally important is maybe more or equally important is the um, the way the professional development component is. Even though uh, literature is kind of uh, mixed on this, professional development don't always result in increase in performance. In this context, when it's linked to performance bonuses and also with the feedback from observations, it was very clear what the teachers were asked to do for the teachers. And I think that kind of um, enabled this program to work really well and produce the results it did. Well, the title of your paper says, uh, Teacher Performance Pay Coaching and Long-Run Student Outcomes. So your title sort of suggests you think coaching was a really important part of this program. Is that what you're general saying? Yeah, exactly. I think that was definitely a big part of it. Not only performance pay, but the fact that built-in kind of teaching coaching by the master teachers the feedback and the professional development teachers received made a big difference. Well, it's now about 10 years later, we've had COVID, we've had a lot of disruptions to our educational system. Is the TAP program still alive and well in South Carolina? Are these schools? Uh... I think, um, our last cohort um, ended, it's a five-year grant, um, so just before. Um, and I don't think we have a new cohort uh, right now, as far as I know. And COVID altered a lot of things, but it is it's a program. But did the school system keep the incentive pay once the federal program uh, concluded? Um, we do have incentive, not to the teachers necessarily in this structure, but we have school-based um, incentives, which then trickles down to, I mean, I don't believe in trickling down in necessarily in things, but um, there is, some structure that is still in place. We have our Palmetto Gold and Palmetto um, Silver schools. Uh, according to uh, report cards, these schools are given uh, monetary benefits, which then translate into monetary benefits for teachers and overall uh, new equipment, et cetera, for schools. But it's a more general program, not only for these uh, low performing ones. Right, but here you have a federal program that actually looks like it's been successful. Why isn't it being adopted by lots of other places? I mean, you know how I, politics work. It is somebody not adopting something is not by any means in Medicare expansion. Is it not working? It's working just fine. But sorry to bring that into our education podcast, but I think it is the politics of things, unfortunately. Well, Yes, there is plenty of opposition to merit pay uh, out there and the teacher. Uh, when we actually, when we uh, ask the public about it, they're sort of equally divided. There's about, you know, 50-50. So I think the public is, is, is sort of not certain about it. 
And then you have very organized uh, groups that are actively, aggressively opposing uh, merit pay for teachers. But sometimes you wonder why they should be doing that since it seems like it would be beneficial to the teaching profession. I mean, I think teachers, my father is a teacher uh, in any country. They are not valued enough. Um, there is, it, again, I'm gonna bring it to a different direction and we, uh, we, cannot, we cannot talk about it if you want. Um, it's a gendered nature of the, I think teaching profession affects um, how, uh, I mean, it's a female job. Female jobs are sometimes not as valued as male jobs, unfortunately. It's no, well, that, that, that may be the case uh, that uh, we don't place enough value on the important, even though we know that education may be more important for- It's uh, the most important thing. And we should, <laughs> you know, I think not only value our teachers, we should raise them as high as we can, but that's, um, it's not the culture anymore, unfortunately. When I was growing up, it was what we said to our Turkish teachers. Here's my kid. You know, meat is yours. Bones are mine. Kind of showing the trust that you place. Even in Turkey now, it is quite different how teachers are treated and or valued or not valued. Well, thank you, Professor Ozturk. For, that was a very informative conversation. And I'm sure our in, uh, listeners will enjoy uh, having learned about uh, the innovative program you've studied in South Carolina. So thank you for joining me on the Education Exchange. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. I really enjoyed our conversation. I've been speaking with Professor Orgel Oosterk, a professor of economics at the Darla Moore School of Business at the University of South Carolina. She is co-author of a just release study of the South Carolina Teacher Advancement Program, or TAP. Her paper is entitled Teacher Performance Pay, Coaching, and Long-Term Student Outcomes. This is the Education Exchange. I am Paul Peterson. Please join me every Monday when another Education Exchange podcast is released on the Education Next website at noon Eastern time.